This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We're talking about the first converts. So let's take a closer look. Let's do it. We are in Acts chapter 2, picking up in verse 37. And the text says, Now when they heard this, just finished up Peter's famous sermon at Pentecost, and when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Now, cut to the heart is not... It's not a translation that makes it abundantly clear what that phrasing means. Um. It is kind of vague. Well, and I think that's a bit intentional mm-hmm. because I'm not sure anyone really knows what it means. They were moved. Yeah. Uh, is essentially what we're, that's what we can be confident of. Right. I read a lot of different commentators and they all think that phrasing means something a little bit different. Mm. Um, but basically it means that something happened within them. There was like divine stirring in their inner core, in their person. Yeah that they're now acting on. And they say, what, what should we do? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm feeling moved. I'm stern. What, what do I do with this? Um, Peter said to them, repent, and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy spirit. So, when we were off air and I said, I, I, I told Cullen as I was reading through before we hit record, this is a really important text. And he was like, save that thought and come back to it on the podcast. Yep. That's why this is an important text. Why? Why, why is that verse so important to you? So, because we get the Holy Spirit. Right? This is the, uh, the, 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 the moment where Peter f- kind of does the first altar call in a way, right? Like repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? Like that is, that is the moment where the church really started its mission, I would say, like as a whole. Uh, well, I think... <sighs> Because then that I goes think, on to move to other people doing the same thing. You well, see what I I'm think, saying? I think this scene, this overall right, large right. scene, is the beginning of that. Mm. Um, I think really the first, if you were going to point to like the singular moments when they're all speaking in tongues. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah, because that's when people begin to look around and go, wait, I hear the message of God's deeds of power. Mm. That's mm. what they're hearing, right? The the mission would being acted on though I would I would say, you, are are you agreeing that that's what we're talking about? I think the whole scene is that yeah, I yeah. don't I don't think I think it predates this mm. 
sentence happening here. Um, for me, this is an important text because it's texts like this that remind me why I'm a sacramentalist. Because mm. it says, repent and be baptized. Skip a little bit. So that, in order that. Right. Your sins may be forgiven. Yeah. Like, yeah. repent and be baptized. It, so that absolutely, that wording is so important and it should not be lost on you. In, in, in evangelicalism, the sacraments have kind of been watered down, I would say. It, yeah. Like, I, I don't know another way to, to phrase that. I, well, it's definitely not watered down because even in most of evangelicalism, number one, evangelicalism is much more broad. Right. Um, I'm reading a book right now that is reminding me actually how little American evangelicalism is a part of world evangelicalism and right. world Christianity. More than 50% of the Christians in the world. Well, actually, let me, let me ask this a different way. Do you know what percent of, we talked about it last night. It was like, one percent or two percent or something like that. It was something ridiculous. Yeah, it's like small. two two percent of the world's yeah. Christians are American evangelical. Right. Fifty percent of the world's Christians, over fifty percent, are Catholic. Right. Um, like we are just such a small piece. Yeah. American evangelicalism doesn't even make up a third. A third of global evangelicalism. Yeah. So there's a lot of variety and mm. diversity in this stuff. So but let me backtrack. And white American evangelicalism, the sacraments, don't have as prominent of a role as I think that they yeah, should. White low church yeah. evangelicalism. Um, I would agree with that. But... I don't think it's fair to say it's watered down because, well, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but they, I think that for a lot of them, they hold it in every bit as high regard mm -hmm. as a sacramentalist would. They just don't believe it imparts grace. Right. Um, no, I, that's fair. And I mean... Here's the real way to kind of test it, but what's the difference between a memorial and a funeral? Are you actually asking? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, so I guess I'd, I I don't know how to like explain the difference between those two. Oh no, just in general, like if somebody dies, mm. what's the difference between having a memorial service for someone and having a funeral service for them? One is more like a remembrance, and the other, the body's actually there, and you're actually like, yeah, that's it, yeah. The difference between them is 100% the presence of the body. Yeah. That's the difference. In the same way, that's the difference between a memorial view and a sacramental view of the Eucharist. Mm. It's like, do you believe that the body is actually present? Mm. Um, when you take that cracker or bread or whatever you're doing, if it's just the bread, if it's only bread and you're mm. doing it 
in solemn remembrance as some kind of intellectual and emotional ascent tactic. You're a memorialist. Does that mean it's any less valuable? Probably not. I mean, I don't know. I do tend to agree with you that most of the time I've met people, mm. they're memorialists. It does feel watered down. Right. Um, but I've met a lot that are not that way. Right. No, agreed. Same here. Maybe maybe that was a, a bit of a pretty f- wide judgment. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it happens. So let me, let me reel that in because, yes, I have met a lot of people that are memorialists that, that do think that it, it matters in equal amounts, but it feels like in conversation, largely what I hear is that it's it doesn't take as prominent of a role. Well, that's very true. I will tell you, it's rare that you see sacramentalists that don't do sacraments regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite common <clears throat> That you find memorialists that don't do right it very often. I mean, we went to a church when we were younger. I think we did Eucharist like once a quarter. I think it was something like that. It was, it's every fifth Sunday is what it was, which turns out to about, about once, once a, a quarter. quarter. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, which even that, just like the message that that sends is problematic. This is a little bit off subject, but the message that that sends is quite problematic because what it means is, Hey, this is only important enough to do it when we get an extra Sunday. Yeah. Like this is not important enough for us to make time in our regularly scheduled programming. Right. We only do this when there's like leftovers. Right. When we get an extra Sunday in the month, um, which is just really terrible churches. Please stop doing that. Yeah. Um, Back to the text, though. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, uh, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized. Do you know what I didn't hear it say? Hmm. And at the time we're recording this, I haven't filmed the story yet. So I don't know what I'm actually going to say, but here's what I really want to say. It doesn't say believe. Yeah. Mm. There's nothing in here about belief and so much of faith, so much of the conversation around faith, so much of everything about faith is built on this idea of belief. It's like, what do you believe? How do you know what you believe? Can you defend your belief? Notice it didn't say anywhere believe. Mm. And it won't. The rest of the text says, for the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments. He testified with many, with many other arguments and ex- exhorted them saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. Not once, not a single time, was it brought up about belief. So I think you could... 
I think you could argue that belief shows up in 41. So those who uh, welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added, and they devoted themselves. Blah, blah, blah. I think belief is implied at that point. I don't, I don't think so at all. If they baptized and... Um, well, sorry. If they dunked mm. 3,000 people that day, you're not sitting there giving a catechetical lesson before each one you're not asking them if they believe the message of jesus exactly the way you want them to believe it oh well no but like i feel like some sort of belief in jesus well he present obviously like it has to be but notice he told them some stuff right but he never said do you believe must you believe right what did he say repent repent yeah repent it's it's very simple and I think I see what you're trying to say is that we make it so flipping complicated when it should just be as simple as repent and be baptized. I was having a conversation with someone um, and we were having a conversation and basically the gist of the conversation was how can you be a pastor and not tell someone what to believe? (laughs) And I was like, I just don't tell you what to believe. Yeah. Like it, it's quite simple. Um, an example of this, one of, if you don't know, I really love to play golf. And one of my kind of golfers that I follow is named Tony Finau. And Tony Finau is pretty famous for um, having a really short backswing. Mm. Like he just doesn't, rotate very much he hits the ball freaking far he just doesn't take the club back very far and somebody asked how him, that's possible but somebody asked him in an interview uh do you have any tips for someone who wants to shorten their backswing and he's like yeah just don't take the club back so far <laughs> it, yeah in the same way it's very simple how do you be a pastor and not tell people what to believe you you just you just don't say anything yeah. um and part of the reason is because I'm convinced that deconstruction was so difficult for me because I was pounded. You must believe this. You must believe this. This is what you must believe. Like pastors were the guardians of doctrine. They were the yeah. gatekeepers of what was appropriate theological belief and teaching. And if you began to say anything outside of what they agreed with, you were shunned. Yeah. Your voice was taken away. I was on staff at a church and I was next to the, the senior pastor. I was the next communicator as the only other one that did preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of my tenure at that church, he stopped letting me take the pulpit. Even when he couldn't be present in the pulpit, he's had medical issues or had to be gone. The offer would never be extended to me. It was given to other people. He brought in outside preachers. He would not ever let me preach anymore. Because we make such a big deal about belief, and I was just pounded. You have to believe like this. You have to believe like this. You have to believe like this. And wasn't ever told that there were millions Mm -hmm. and billions of Christians around the world it all had different they don't believe anything like that yeah and i remember being told when i was a kid from by family oh i believe there'll be some catholics in heaven as if somehow they were close enough 
that some of them were going to get through, but most of them weren't actually going to be in heaven. That's the implications of that statement. Um, all based on belief. Right. I don't. Th- I think the Bible is far more concerned with our repentance than it's ever concerned with our belief. I think that that's absolutely true. Um, what what it really comes to is, I, I say this all the time, it, it comes to Jesus, right? Are you living a life representing Jesus? Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm which comes with the repentance piece, you know, recognizing these are the things about me that don't match him. Yep. Right. Yep. And repenting from those things. That's really what it comes down to. And I think that I agree with you that the Bible is way more concerned with us acting like Jesus mm-hmm. than it is acting like the Pharisees. Well, and if you notice, there's no like, there's no statement of faith here. There, there's yeah. nothing here. The only thing that shows up, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's yeah. the only theological claim, like, for belief category, is Christ. Yeah. Listener, if you didn't know, Jesus' last name is not Christ. <laughs> yeah. It's not Jesus H. Christ. Like, that's not his name with middle initial H. Um, Christ is his title. It's Messiah, the anointed one. Um, and so the only quote unquote belief that's required in this moment to receive the Holy spirit, which is the seal Mm -hmm. of our faith. Believe that Jesus is Messiah. Yeah. And when you repent, you're doing that. Right. Because why would you repent to someone that's not Messiah? Right. Like, that's dumb. So, like, that's the only thing we we see here. Like, in the sermon, he talks about God. Yeah. But in this moment, his call, you made the claim, you made the mention of an altar call. I actually hate that now. I'm, like, radically, oh, vehemently I, against altar calls. I, I hate them. Too. Oh, please, oh, please, 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 please. I'm not saying that I think altar calls are, I didn't have any other language to communicate that. Got it, yeah. But I, no, those should not exist. Yeah, my my problem with them is I think they're emotional manipulation. That's exactly what um, it is. The the whole close your eyes, raise your hand thing? Yeah. Oh my God, I hate it. Uh, with every with every head bowed <laughs> and every eyes closed? Oh my God, I hate it so much. Yeah, it's terrible. It's emotional manipulation. Oh. Let's stop doing that. Um when there's a stirring in somebody's heart, they're going to come ask you. They're going to do something. Brothers, what should we do? Mm-hmm. You don't need to man- manipulate them with great yep. emotions and synthesizers um, <sighs> just to get them to receive Jesus so that you can tally up your extra baptism <laughs> or your extra profession of faith. You don't need to manipulate them with synthesizers, bro. That, that got me. <laughs> because that's what they do. That's what we do. It's like the you you, you have your, your keyboardist go up there and like hold on an E chord yep. for, what is it, like put a six re- minutes? Put a little reverb and echo delay on it. Yeah. And it just just yeah. let it go. And 
somehow that makes the air more intense. It it really is unfortunate. And here here's what I see. Like when when God's deeds of power are proclaimed, there's gonna be a stirring. The spirit is yeah. moving. Yeah. God is active. We don't need to I don't even know. We don't it's cringy to me now. Like I don't like when God is working people will be stirred to move and when they're stirred to move they will come ask what do i do how do i get more involved what's this yeah. actually about um and i don't think belief should be a huge part of the conversation no. i just don't um it's not for these ones no and here's the crazy thing about this So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. Did, did you hear anything about music? No. Did you hear anything about a great orator? No. Like Apollos or Paul? Or, no, we no. got a fisherman yeah. standing up. <sighs> on a like massive Jesus high mm. because he's just been freaking, I don't know. I mean, he's been living with the dude for forever. Like, Well, not even just that, but like freaking even speaking in tongues for God only knows how long and yeah. watching all these people go around. And I mean, just on this massive spiritual experience moment, which I'm totally here for. Mm. I just don't want to manipulate people into and their that. emotions into that. Yeah. Which happens so frequently. Oh, I I think we're fooling ourselves if we don't say that it happens. More than it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would venture to say there are very few churches in America that are of the evangelical strain mm -hmm. that are not manipulating people yeah. with their emotions. Um, 3,000 persons. No fancy light show. No synthesizers. No music. No pads. No in-ear monitoring systems. None of all the, all when, the, None of those things are bad. They're not bad, but what I'm saying is, is that God, if you believe that God is active in the world, yeah. then God's, then the proclamation, which we're going to talk about this on Pines and Perspectives uh, this week too, so make sure you check that out. Um, God's deeds of power are enough mm. they are enough yeah for people to stir and want to experience redemption and repentance and your faithful living to those acts of power to god's deeds of power the message of jesus life death and resurrection of jesus that's what adds to our numbers. Yeah. That's what happens. It's the proclamation of and the living according to God's deeds of power that show up. Well, and and you know, when you were, if you were like us and you went to a church similar to us, you went to church camp. You went to youth camp. 
and you'd always come back on this high. Absolutely. Every time you'd come back on the spiritual high, but it fades in like two days. Absolutely. And you just go back to this normal life. It's because you were emotionally manipulated into that. Oh, I agree with that. It wasn't genuine. The reason that it dissipates is because it wasn't real. Yep. It was real for these people. Yep. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to this. It literally changed their lives. Everything about how they were living is now different. Because it wasn't spiritual manipulation. It wasn't churches trying to get that one more number in the seat. Maybe if we let people be people and just let them repent and be baptized instead of trying to force them into believing a certain thing, maybe that spiritual high doesn't go away. (laughs) 